Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Doherty, and I'm your host. We're at the end of summertime, and uh, Bible school will be cranking up soon. It's been quiet on the hilltop. Staff have been gone. Uh, there's no campers, no students, no summer staff. And so now that the staff are beginning to come back in, uh, we're starting to get ready for Bible school. Next week, our second year students will come in and they'll help out with getting things ready. And then in two weeks, our first year students will come. So they'll be here for the first time and we're looking forward to meeting them and and getting to know them and, and, and walking with them in this next year, uh, seeing what the Lord has in store for us as a community. And with this, you know, we're going to want to encourage them as a student body in their time here in the Word to be pursuing what is true. And with that thought, I want to ask you a question. What is to be the underlining truth about you? What is to be the underlining truth about you? about you. We live in an interesting time. For years, I've been telling our students and our campers that there's this growing thought that uh, truth is not an absolute, and and instead it's more fluid, and it, it's pretty much how, you know, whatever you feel or how you want it to be, or what you understand, or what you, you know, often we, we, we see, you know, that we have the question, how do you feel about that? And, and, and but now I have to, I'm coming to the end of, of telling students students and campers that not because it's it's no longer happening but because it's not a growing thing it is here in full force you know where it's a very interesting phrase in our society today is this that you need to speak your truth and from that you need to live your truth that, that's a that's a horrible statement. I appreciate what Glory Dye says from Christianity.com about this. She says that this teaching does not benefit individuals. Rather, it harms them by leaving them with nothing constant or reliable. The truth is supposed to be a constant. It's supposed to be something reliable, not something that's fluid, not something that changes. It is an absolute. This reminds me of my wife and my daughters. They were just telling the story the other day of how when the fall comes, they want to wear their fall clothes. That's that's hard in the South because it's really hot. We're going through a, a, a very hot summer. We're going through a severe drought and the temperatures have been in the hundreds for days. And and but they they want to wear their fall clothes. And so they've told me that they will. You know, because it's fall, you know, that they it's, you know, when November comes, it could be 75, 80 degrees some years. Sometimes it can be really cold, but some years it could be 75, 80 degrees, but they will wear their fall clothes because it's fall. And this is what you're supposed to wear in fall. You know, they could just check the their apps on, the, on their phones and see that, hey, it's 75, 80 degrees, maybe shouldn't wear this today. But no, they go ahead and put on their the clothes they want to wear because that's what they want. They, their fall to be like. The truth is it's 75, 80 degrees, but their truth is that it's fall and this is what I should wear. You know, we do the same thing, don't we? We live according to what we want, how we want it to be, how we're comfortable. Truth is not based on what I want or what or how I want it. It's not based on my truth. Scripture is clear on what truth is from Genesis to Revelation. 
And that's really what I want us to look at. I want us just to walk through Scripture in this episode and see just how God has revealed his truth and that he never changes his truth for you and for me. What is to be the the underlining truth about you? God tells us. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis 1. We're going to look at that in just a second. But before that, I want to read a statement that Major Thomas once made. He said this, that truth is as timeless as God himself. It never changes. It may be forgotten, neglected, perverted, opposed, rejected, counterfeited, or displaced, but it never changes. It is not an emphasis, a concept, a party line, nor merely an option. It is an imperative. And so then, what is true about us as mankind? What, what if truth about us does not come from what I want or come from uh, my feelings, then what is true about my purpose in existence? What's very clear in Scripture that our purpose, the reason we're taking the very breaths we're taking right now, is for God's image to be seen. Here in Genesis, in chapter 1, in verse 26 and 27, familiar words, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish, and over the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them. So we see very clearly from this passage that man is created in the image of God. Whatever is true of God should be true of us because we are created in his image. Well, how does he do that? How, how is it possible for mankind, for men and women, to live out the image of God? Well, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The way by which we are to live out the image of God which is the underlining purpose of our existence. This is what is underlining truth of us. The way by which we are to live out the image of God is by, according to chapter 2, verse 7, it is by the image of God living out of you and me. The way by which we live out the image of God is by the image of God living out in you and me. So you see, if the image of God, if God is not in the man, if God is not living through the man, if, if, it, is, if it is not his very breath in man, then man is not living as man was created to live. He's just an empty shell of possibility. He's, he's, he's not living. He's just existing. So we know that something happens with this. In Genesis chapter 3, we know that there's the fall. We fall from the very life of God. We fall from the very image of God. So now what? 
does God just say, well, that was, that's too bad. That's tough. Do the best you can. And you know, we'll see you someday. No, I mean, it's very clear. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, God says this, for I am the Lord, your God, consecrate yourselves therefore, and be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. So what is the standard of the holiness that we are to be? He says, for I am holy. It is himself. His very image is still required of mankind. He doesn't just say, well, it's all messed up now because of Genesis chapter 3, so just do the best you can. No, he still demands the same. Well, you may say, well, now that's the old covenant. Well, the new covenant tells us the same thing. The New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16, Peter says this, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. This is all-encompassing. This is to be our life. We are to live the way we were created to live, and we find in the New Testament that we are still held to this. Well, again, I ask the question, how? How are we going to be able to do this when you and I prove so often, all day long, that we're not living out his image? We're not living out what is true of our creation. Well, in the Old Covenant, we're given snapshots of just how it's possible. We often call the Old Covenant or the Old Testament the shadow, and then we call what goes on in the New Testament the substance. The book of Hebrews talks uh, about that, the shadow. What was a shadow is now a reality for us. But what is it that is shown to us in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, that is kind of like a shadow? It's snapshots, but it's not the, the full thing yet. Well, we know in the Old Testament, the Bible is divided up, or we've divided the Bible up into four sections. The Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Then we have the history section of the Bible. And then we go on to the poetry and then the prophecy of the Old Testament. Well, let's just look at those four sections and see what is going on there with regards to what is true of us, which is the image of God. Well, in the Pentateuch, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the very next chapter, after we've seen that God has created man and he's done so by his very life in us, in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall. But God doesn't panic in the fall. He doesn't think, oh my goodness, you know, what are we going to do? He doesn't go to Adam and Eve and ask them if they have any ideas. You see, it's truth that we live out doesn't start with us. Truth starts somewhere else, and God lays it out for us. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God says this, I will put, he's speaking to the woman here, and I will put in, enmity between you and the woman. I'm sorry, he's speaking to Satan here. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And so what God is saying here in the same chapter that man falls, God already says, I've got a plan, and that plan's name is Jesus. There's going to be a battle between woman's seed, that being Christ, and Satan's seed. And throughout Scripture, we see this battle. And then comes the day when Christ crushes the head of Satan, where Satan uh, does strike at 
Christ, he, uh, Christ does die for three days, but Satan doesn't win. Christ gets up out of the grave. He is victorious, and here we see that Satan has been defeated. So now we see, with regards to truth, and God's, tr- uh, God's truth being his image, we see that God's plan for restoration of his life in man, which is his truth for man, his life in man, his plan for restoration of his life in man is Jesus. Well, then we go into the history section. And in Joshua, part of the history section of the Old Testament, chapter 5, verses 13 and 15, this is where... um, where Joshua has brought the, he's, a, he's about to lead the nation of Israel in their first battle in taking the promised land. And the first obstacle they have to face is Jericho. And those great walls, how are they going to be able to penetrate? How are they going to be able to take this city? Well, he goes out to take a look at the, the, the city, to take a look at the walls one day, and then something happens. Let's read about it. Now, it came about, When Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, whether indeed I come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he bowed down, and he said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. An incredible story and an incredible event. Joshua goes out to look at this problem that he has to face, and he finds that he's not the one that has to lead it. He's not the one that has to to conquer it. He's not the one that has to lead in the battle. But who is? Well, the captain of the host of the Lord. And the captain of the host of the Lord says this, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. This is Jesus. Jesus is, when God shows himself to man in physical form throughout Scripture, it is always in the person of Christ, even in the Old Testament. And here, Jesus shows himself as the captain of the host of the Lord. This is holy ground because this is where God is. Christ is standing there. And so it is through Jesus that God shows himself to be in charge of the fight. So that's our history section. Then we move on to poetry. And here in Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2, uh, we, first of all, in Psalm 110, we need to, uh, to remind ourselves that this is what is called a messianic psalm. So a Christ song, a song about Jesus. And with that in mind, we read these words from chapter 110, verses 1 and 2. The Lord says to my Lord. Did you get that? The Lord says to my Lord. So God says to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So sit at my right hand, sit at the pla- in this place of authority, this place of power. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion saying, now here we go, rule in the midst of your enemies. 
So here, God speaking to Jesus, this is what we find out, that it is through Jesus that God shows his rule. So let's continue on now. Uh, Next part of the Old Testament is called the, the prophecy section. And so here, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, we find our next passage, and we read this, where Isaiah the prophet says this. God speaking through Isaiah says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And you know this, the name Emmanuel means God with us. So now we see that it is through Jesus that God will make his presence known among mankind. So now, just a quick review here in looking at the, the Old Testament, the shadow of God's truth. What are we shown in this shadow, snapshots of this? Well, this is what we're shown. First of all, in the, in the Pentateuch, we see that God's plan for restoration of his life, his truth in man, is with Jesus. Then, in the history section, we see that it is through Jesus that God shows himself, his very image, to be in charge of the fight. He shows himself in Christ, through Christ. God shows himself through Christ to be in charge of the fight. And then we move on to the poetry section, and here it was that we saw it is through Jesus that God shows his rule. And then in the prophecy section, it is through Jesus that God will make his presence known among mankind. Let me go through those again. First of all, what we've seen, these are all snapshots of God's truth, all a shadow of God's truth, not the substance yet, but this is what we see. In in bringing about God's image, God's truth for mankind, This is what we see. God's plan for restoration of his life in man is Jesus. It is through Jesus that God shows himself to be in charge of the fight. It is through Jesus that God shows his rule. And it is through Jesus that God will make his presence known among mankind. Okay, so we see that each section of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, each section of the shadow is about Jesus, who is revealing God. And so now we move on to the New Testament. What will we find here? The New Testament, we've divided it up into four sections as well. We've divided it up into the Gospels, the History section, the Epistles, and the Prophecy. So let's, uh, let's look at these. In the Gospel section, I've picked John 14, verse 9 where we read this. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So here we find that Jesus reveals God, his very image. Once again, his very image, God's very image is seen in a man. And then we move on to the next section, the history section of the New Testament. Here in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and through 34, we read this. This Jesus, this is part of the first sermon of the church that Peter is preaching. This Jesus, God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. 
Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Here we see that Jesus reveals God's authority. Moving on now to the epistle section of the New Testament. And here we're going to look at Philippians 1.21, where Paul says, From prison, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Jesus is the very life of God in Paul, the very image of God in Paul. And then finally, we go on to the, uh, the prophecy section, which is the book of Revelation. And here in chapter 1, in verse 8, we read this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And we know that, that Jesus is speaking here. But in a little bit later, in verse 17, we get, uh, we get some explanation as to just exactly what he means when he says, I am the Alpha and Omega. In verse 17 of chapter 1, it says this, When I saw him, so here John is, is, is uh, giving the account of he heard this voice. He turns around and he sees Jesus and he says this, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. Here we go. I am the first and the last. In other words, I am the Alpha and Omega. It is through Jesus that God, God's faithful presence is being shown. Jesus is God's faithful presence. So again... Let's review this. We've seen in the Old Testament, in the shadow of God's truth, that there that Jesus, each book or each section of the by of the Old Testament, it reveals Christ or shows Christ revealing God. And now in the New Testament, we see that what was a shadow is now substance. In the Gospels, Jesus reveals God. His very image, once again, is seen in man. In the history section, Jesus reveals God's authority. In the epistles, Jesus is the very life of God in Paul. The very image of God is in Paul. And then in the prophecy section, Jesus is God's faithful presence. So what do we have here? We have the very substance of the shadow, which is God's image. So how does that benefit us? That Jesus shows us God. How does this benefit us? We were made for the image of God. We know that we have fallen. We know that we are to still show the image of God. Jesus has shown us the image of God. How does that benefit us? John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says this, 
I am the way and the truth. Isn't that interesting? I'm not a truth. I am the truth. He tells us right there that truth is an absolute. And he tells us that he is that absolute. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Now here's how he ends the statement. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the very image that we were created for. But through me, but on account of me, but because of me. Why? Because I am God, is what Jesus has told us. So, our purpose. What is the truth of our purpose? God's image. Genesis 1, 26, 27, we were created in his image. How is it possible? Genesis 2, 7, by his very life, by his, his very image in us, his very image in you produces his very image. It makes sense, doesn't it? We know there's been a fall, but we know that Christ has been the rescue of this fall. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul tells us this, for in him, in Christ, all the fullness of deity, God. Did you get that? For in him, all the fullness of God. For in him, all the fullness of the image of God dwells in bodily form. Now here we go. And in him, in whom you find the image of God, so and in him, you have been made complete. There's nothing more to add. All that you were created for, his very image, has become a reality for you in Christ, who is God. God's very image, alive in you. You have been made complete. Again, Major Thomas once said this, God created man in such a way that the presence of God as creator within a man as creature is imperative to his humanity. Do you get that? God is creator within a man as creature is imperative to his humanity. Man in normality is to be distinguished from the animal kingdom by a quality of life and behavior that can have no possible explanation apart from God himself in the man. Again, I want to read that last part again. Man in normality is to be distinguished from the animal kingdom by a quality of life and behavior that can have no possible explanation apart from God himself in the man. This is truth, not your truth, not your feelings, not your desire. Truth is God himself. And that truth in us is the only way you and I can live out the underlining truth about ourselves. Arlene and I were having supper with some friends, uh, a couple that uh, are from here in Comfort, Texas. 
we're sitting there, and after the meal, we started to talk about this, God's truth found in Christ, and that Jesus lives in us, not just to get us out of hell and into heaven, but what? To live the very life we were created for, to bring heaven, God's very image, back into man. And as we were talking about this, you know, Colossians 2, 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And as we're talking about this, the the, the couple sitting across from us, the wife said, you know, she, she they were both sitting there just chomping at the bit, you could tell, just wanting me to be quiet so they could talk. And I finally, you know, quit my explanation and, you know, because I was really wanting them to understand this. And this is what uh, the wife said. That's exactly what the Lord's been teaching us. And she said it with such excitement. And, and her husband was standing there just grinning like this is exactly what the Lord's already been teaching them. And I felt like, oh, I should have shut up sooner <laughs> instead of trying to convince you of what you're already convinced of. But this is what she went on to say. We're part of a Bible study that's been going over this. And as we began to realize this truth, that Christ lives in me to live through me, the very image of God, I was angry. Because I thought to myself, this is what she said, I thought to myself, why has the church not taught this to me? And then she said, my next thought was this, wait a minute, I've had God's truth. I've had his Bible. Christ has lived in her since the moment she put her faith in him. She's had his truth. And she kind of hung her head and she said, it's my fault. God's truth has been made known to me. And instead, I've decided to ignore it and to demand my truth. You see, she realized that she has all that God is found in Christ. That God's truth, which is the truth, is for her. And she's had truth ever since she put her faith in Christ. And she realized it is now for me, it is now time for me to live what is true. Christ is truth. In Christ we find God's image. In Christ, we can be the men and women we were always intended to be. In Christ, we can be the husband, the wife, the son, daughter, the preacher, the carpenter, the homemaker, the employer, the employee that we are to be today because we have the truth. Are you living truth? Are just embracing a pretend truth a wannabe truth but can never be truth because it's your truth if you've put your faith in Christ truth is yours thanks for listening and remember keep your eyes fixed on Jesus thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill podcast featuring our host Kelly Doherty and his devotional on truth We are excited to begin the 2023-2024 school year soon. Our second year students are scheduled to arrive this coming Wednesday, followed by our first years arriving the week after. 
Please be praying for the incoming students that they are encouraged in this time right before school starts and that they come onto campus believing that God has brought them here with purpose. Once again, you've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.